But we are certainly glad that you're here this morning. We hope that you return. We're here every Sunday. Uh, as truly, this is a place where Christ is exalted and the spirit of the living God dwells among his people and his church here at Northwest Baptist. We're not perfect. I'll tell you that. I'm not perfect either. But we continue to try to encourage one another and show people the love that Christ has for us. Our goal here is, is plaster on the wall here. It's to love Christ and live his mission. And that's what we try and attempt to do every day. There are bound to be people here this morning, whether you go to the church all the time or whether you're here for the first time, that you may be even struggling this morning. You may be struggling with different things in your life. You may be struggling with your faith to believe that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. You may be thinking to yourself, man, all these people, it's great for them that they've given their life for the truth of this gospel. But for me, I'm, I'm just not sure. Well, let me assure you that you are not alone. Jesus' own disciple, his own disciple Thomas, who is nicknamed Doubting Thomas. You see, he had trouble believing. He had trouble believing that Jesus is who he said he is. You see, Thomas, 2,000 years ago, was quite disappointed. After spending three years with Jesus, he had walked with Jesus. He had seen the miracles of Jesus. He had heard the teachings of Jesus. He was devoted to Jesus. But somehow Thomas felt as if he had been let down by Jesus himself. Not only did Thomas feel as if he had been abandoned because Jesus had left his disciples, but Thomas felt like the dreams in which God had for him, the, the dreams of the kingdom of God coming into the world were now shattered. Because Jesus was crucified on a cross, he died and he was laid in a tomb. Thomas didn't know what to think. He didn't know what to feel. Maybe you, like Thomas, feel as if you've been hurt, maybe by the church or maybe by someone who calls themselves a Christian. Maybe you feel abandoned by Jesus, dreams shattered, and you're here this morning, maybe, frankly, just to make somebody else happy. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus has a word for you this morning. He has a word for all of us this morning. He wants to come to you as he did Thomas. And he wants to reveal himself fully so that you may believe who this Jesus is. And that by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, you may have life in his name. I've entitled this sermon, and we've been talking about this, working our way through the book of John these past weeks, so that you may have life. And if you don't get anything this morning, get this. Jesus came so that you and I could have life. This is actually why John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, writes this book. 
He says he writes the book of John so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Our brother Alan this morning, who's, who's a great singer, he's a great preacher too, but he gave you the story and he gave it to, to us better than I could ever give it. But I'm going to try to give you some of the background to where we are in the text this morning in John chapter 20. The story begins with Jesus hanging on a cross. The very Son of God, the Word, became flesh and made His dwelling among men, died upon the cross, willing to give His life upon a cross. And as He is dying and hanging there, he says, it is finished. As he dies the death for sinners, he pays the price for sinners. And the soldiers see this. One of the soldiers says, truly, truly, this was the Son of God. But after seeing that he is already dead, they don't break his legs. Instead, they spear him in the side making sure that he is truly dead and water and blood come out of his body. And as as Alan said, one of his friends, Joseph of Arimathea, takes the body and lays it in his tomb. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen? And Sunday comes and Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb and it's open. So some of the disciples, they come running and they go in to the tomb and they, what do they see? They see the linen cloths all neatly folded. It's a miracle. Jesus is not there. But it's also a side note miracle. A single man has made his bed, right? (laughs) Thank you for the courtesy laugh. I appreciate that. You know, the first time I, I, I preached on Easter Sunday, I couldn't breathe. I was telling Cody this before. The first time I actually preached on Sunday uh, as a pastor, it was about eight, nine years ago. I could not breathe, I tell you what. I was like, where are all these people come from? <laughs> and uh, I tried my best to get through it. But thank you for the courtesy laugh. But he was not there. And his body wasn't stolen. The thief wouldn't come and take time to fold the linen cloths. And Mary, she's confused. She stays in the area and she's crying. And she sees a man and she thinks that the man is the gardener in the garden tomb. And she says, if you, if you take in his body away, tell me where you have taken him. And Jesus says to her, Mary, and she recognizes his voice. She says, Rabboni, which means teacher in Aramaic. And she begins to go and tell the others that Jesus lives. Amen. So that, that evening, the disciples are gathering together in a room that was locked. And Jesus comes into that room. He doesn't walk through the door. It's the resurrected Jesus. And he reveals himself to them. But one of the disciples is not in the room that Sunday night. His name is Thomas. He may have been pouting. He may have just needed a moment 
The text really doesn't tell us why he's not there, but he is not there. And this is where we pick up our passage one week later. Thomas is now in the room and Jesus enters. This is John chapter 20, verse 24. Now what we do at Northwest is we stand in honor reading God's word when we read the passage. So if you'll stand with us in honor of reading God's word because we believe that this contains the words of eternal life, that these are the words of God, God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so we read the words of scripture together. John chapter 20, verse 24. I read out the ESV version here. Now Thomas was one of the 12 called the twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. You can be seated. Father, we thank you that you give us life through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for those that are doubting their faith today. We thank you for those that are, are, are in need of strengthening their faith in Christ today. And we pray, Father, as you strengthen Thomas's faith, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would give us the faith to believe, Father God. We know that it is a work of your spirit. We know that it is a work from you that you give us what we need to believe. And Father, we pray as your church this morning that you would give us the faith that we need to believe. Lord, we thank you for the people that are here this morning, that hear your word and your truth. Father, give us the strength to hear with our ears and see with our eyes the truth of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, my beautiful wife, she sits up front here. Her name is Jordan. And uh, we've been married 15 years coming this May. And uh, so that's something to celebrate. You can celebrate that. Yeah. 15 years. That's a long time to tell you my age, right? And um, <clears throat> uh, one of the greatest moments of my life was, uh, was asking her to marry me. And you can imagine all the feels of that moment, all all the things that are going on, the excitement, and uh, it was the engagement. And it was back in the fall of 2006. Um, you know, at that time, in the fall, you know, we were graduating in the spring. It, it was about that time, right? 
and uh, we had been dating a while, and uh, it was go time, or no time, okay? So it was the time to go, and I had been sending some nice flowers and notes that week, and I, I knew she was anticipating something to happen on the weekend, and uh, so the conversation kind of went like this, you know, I had not said anything to her, we hadn't had a plan, there was nothing on the books, and she said to me, so, what are we doing this weekend? And I, uh, she, she kind of probed a bit more. You know, do I really need to, to, to wear a dress or, or anything like that? Are we, are we going to dinner this weekend? What, do, just kind of tell me, do, do I need to plan for anything? And uh, like the good old boy that I am, I just said, oh no, just wear your sweatpants. And uh, her draw, jaw dropped to the ground. Her face dropped. I, I don't know what was going through her mind in that moment. But I can tell you it wasn't rainbows and cupcakes, right? But what she didn't know was what awaited her was so much better than anything she could have imagined. So we pulled into her sister's house with our sweatpants on saying that we had to pick something up for her and her mother had picked out a dress for her and it was waiting there at her sister's house and her sister was going to do her makeup and her hair so that she was ready for the moment, right? So what she thought was going to happen was so much better than what she could have ever imagined. There's a picture of us. This is 15 years ago. You can see that. Yeah, yeah, you can see that. That's us as young guns, right? She looks great. Even though she was wearing sweatpants before, she looks fantastic in the picture. But just that week in the text, Jesus had come riding into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey with shouts of, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel, Thomas had seen this, the people worshiping Jesus as king of Israel. So you can imagine Thomas's disappointment when Jesus says, I'm leaving you and you cannot come. Then the betrayal of one of Jesus' own, Judas, and the false accusations, the trial, the humiliation, the beatings, and then the crucifixion and then the death of Jesus. Thomas's response is a lot like our response when the cookie doesn't crumble our way. I've been hurt one too many times. I will never believe is what Thomas proclaims. I just can't go there again. Remember what happened to me before? I was willing to lay down my life for this man. And yet, God in his grace gives Thomas exactly what he needs to believe. All of it didn't make sense to Thomas at the time. Yet God's plans and his ways are so much bigger than our ways and our plans. Through Christ's death on the cross, you see Jesus was bringing salvation to the entire world. 
He was bearing the sins of humanity upon the cross. He wasn't leaving his disciples as he would come to them again and strengthen them and then send them the Holy Spirit to be with them. And they would be the ones to declare this message of the kingdom of God that has come and his name is Jesus. That Jesus is the Lord and God. You see, it took God giving grace to Thomas to give him what he needed to believe And now through the testimony of Thomas and what we've read this morning, you are able to encounter the risen Lord Jesus Christ who raised from the dead and promises eternal life through him. Amen? So praise God for Thomas and his unbelief. Because Jesus died and resurrected so that you may have life. Let's look at the text this morning, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Man, this is our first point this morning. Well, let me keep reading before I give you my first point, okay? Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among him and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. This is our first point this morning. God grants us what we need to believe. God in his grace gives us what we need to believe. You see, Thomas wasn't the first to doubt. And in some ways, you kind of feel bad for Thomas, right? Because at some point, all the disciples have their issues. Mary, who comes to the tomb first, believes that the gardener has taken the body, right? She, she goes and, and she tells the other disciples, I've seen Jesus. And Luke 24, verse 8, tells us what happens when the disciples hear Mary's testimony. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. So Mary comes back to the disciples and says, hey, Jesus resurrected from the dead, and the other disciples did not believe him. Isn't that interesting? Peter, he denies Jesus three times, well documented, Before he's crucified, he he denies to a a middle school girl that he doesn't even know Jesus. Nobody calls him petrified, Peter. But Thomas is doubting Thomas, right? Even John the Baptist at some point said in Luke chapter 7 verse 19, Are you the one or should we look for another? So 
Some of the, even, the greatest prophets, Jesus' own disciples doubted. Yet God finds grace for doubters like Thomas, like you, like the disciples, like me. Because he reveals himself to them. Amen? The Bible says that if you seek the Lord, you will find him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, God desires to reveal himself to you in a way in which you can believe upon Christ for salvation. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Praise God, he doesn't give up on us when we doubt. 1 Timothy 2, 3 says this, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires for people, all people, to be saved, to come to that knowledge of truth. But Thomas says, unless I see the hands and the mark of the nails, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You almost want to be like the narrator in the voiceover, right? And say, never say never, Tom, right? Like, ne- never say never. <laughs> I will never believe. Ne- never say never. You see, Thomas is not right in demanding from the Lord what he needs to believe. We don't demand from the Lord what we need to believe. Certainly, the Lord doesn't owe us anything. Yet, in his grace and mercy, he chooses to come in the exact way that Thomas says he needs to believe. It's incredible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus loves you enough to meet you right where you are today? That you don't have to fix yourself up to come and meet Jesus That Jesus meets you where you are today. In spite of your sin, in spite of our pride, in spite of our doubts, Jesus is still speaking to you through the testimony and the witnesses of Christ, including Thomas today. He has not abandoned you, and he will not abandon you. Until we open our ears and open our eyes to see who Jesus is, Look at what John writes in verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John writes the whole book of John so that you can believe as a testimony of someone who witnessed what Jesus did. 
uh, in some ways, sometimes we think to ourselves, if only I had been there when Jesus died. If only I had been there at the resurrection. If I was there and I placed my hands in, in Thomas's, uh, in, in Jesus' hands, and if I placed my fingers in Jesus' side, then I would believe. But I want to show you something. Verse 20, uh, chap, John chapter 20, verse 8 says this, Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Let me give you another text of scripture, Luke eighteen thirty one. And taking the 12, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written about the Son of Man and prophets will be accomplished. This is Jesus talking to his disciples before his death. For he will be delivered over the Gentiles. He will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. And then there's this, this, this text here, verse 34. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what he said. So even if you were there, right, watching him die, even if you were there in the tomb watching the, the, the linen clothes, the disciples didn't understand what was going on. There was a lack of understanding, first off, why he needed to die, and then why he resurrected from the dead. Because why? Because they didn't have the full and complete story. The disciples didn't have the book of Romans. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's good. They didn't have the book of Hebrews. They didn't have Paul's writings. They may not even connected the dots from the Old Testament where it talks about Jesus needing to die and resurrect from the dead. Jesus is talking to his disciples after he resurrected on, on the way to Emmaus and he's explaining to them the scriptures and how he fulfills the Old Testament. They, they didn't understand completely the death of Christ, the taking on of the sins of the world onto himself. They under, didn't understand that he's the first fruits of the resurrection and that we will resurrect with him for all eternity. It, it was only after that they, they put the pieces together and were able to understand how God was working thing, these things out. For all we know, we could have missed the Savior as many did during this time. Yet now, God in His grace has allowed us to have the very Word of God front to back. We get the whole picture to see how the Bible fits together about Jesus, the biblical story unfolding from the Old Testament, from creation all the way through Revelation, that the salvation is through Christ alone and God's plan for all eternity was Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection, amen? But the disciples, when they're witnessing this, didn't even understand it in the moment. You see, God has given us what we need to believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we get to see that through the testimony of these disciples. 
So what is Thomas' response to this? Jesus says, put your finger here, see my hands, place your finger in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, verse 28, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. That's you. That's you, church. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet believed. This is our second point this morning. Jesus is Lord and God. Jesus is Lord and God. Jesus is Lord. This is a proclamation of Thomas, the testimony of Thomas's doubt to now faith. Jesus is Lord. To say that Jesus is Lord, to say that Jesus is, is, has sovereign authority, total control, unlimited jurisdiction over all creation. Jesus is in charge of everything, everyone, and every place. Jesus is the boss. All right, as our youth like to say it. That's a big leap for someone who has just declared, I will never believe unless this and this and this happens, right? That's a big jump. So-called doubting Thomas actually gives the clearest, simplest, and the greatest confession of deity of Christ recorded in Scripture. Amen? My Lord and my God. He didn't just acknowledge Jesus to be Lord and God. He acknowledged him to be my Lord and my God. The personal testimony of who Jesus was to him, his faith in Christ. Jesus responds to Thomas's confession of faith with the question, have you believed because you have seen me? I mean, it acknowledges Thomas's true faith, right? Have you believed? But it takes an issue with the means in which Thomas came to a place of assurance of faith. You see, Thomas believed because he saw the marks of the cross on the risen Savior. But Jesus knew that he would not come to each individual person for their salvation. Jesus would not deal with people's doubt by making special appearances, performing miraculous signs, or even submitting to personal examination. No more show and tell, if you will. It's now hearing and believing, right? You see, the testimony of Thomas is enough for us. What is the testimony of Thomas? The testimony of Thomas is that he was a doubter. He did not believe, said he would never believe, and yet after seeing the risen Savior, he said, my Lord and 
my God. And how do we know Thomas's testimony is true, church? How do we know that? Well, Thomas would go on to be one of the first martyrs of the faith. Pretty reliable evidence indicates that Thomas took the gospel to India. He was speared to death on a hill outside of Chennai for preaching the gospel there. Well, how do we know that these accounts are true? Even, even John's account of Jesus and all 11 apostles, by most historical accounts, lost their lives telling people that they saw the resurrected Christ. Save one John who wrote the book of Revelation on an isle of Patmos that he was exiled to. God gives us what we need to believe. The testimony of the apostles is key to understanding who Jesus is. But the testimony of someone who doubted, and all of them doubted, to someone who believed and willing to give their life for the faith of the truth of the gospel is incredible. 1 Peter 1.8 says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see now, now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, we cannot experience what Thomas experienced by sight. Yet, today, 2,000 years later, we share in Thomas's experience by reading his account. Why not share in the faith of Thomas by hearing and believing. Verse 30 says this. This is to wrap up this, this whole book. John says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these ones are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, church, we've been talking about this for six weeks. What does it mean to have life in Christ, in the name of Christ? Well, the very presence of God exudes life. God himself is the life giver. He created, we see it in our creation. We see the order in which he has created all things and he is the one that gives life to that which is dead. And so in the very presence of God, we have life except the problem was humanity's sin we rebelled against a holy and righteous god and thus we were cast out of the garden cast out of the presence of god 
and we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Why were we dead in our transgressions and sins? Because we were not able to enter in to the presence of God. But praise be to God our Father who did not leave us exiled from his presence. Because he came down to us in our exile, in our sin, in the place of death. And he said, I will take your death so that you may have life. God came down, born as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus to live a perfect life and then to give his life upon a cross to die so that you may be declared righteous, you may be declared holy, you may enter into the presence of God and live for eternity. Now, on this earth, We've been given what we call the Holy Spirit, which is God himself coming to indwell amongst his people as a down payment. And we can experience life in this world if we are filled with the Holy Spirit of the presence of God. Why? Because the world and its desires, they will never satisfy. Only God himself will be the complete satisfaction. So if we do not have God in this world, we do not have life. We walk around as dead people, zombies, for instance. And yet, when we believe upon Christ, our sin is paid for, it is no longer, and we are given the Holy Spirit of God. John writes this whole book so that you can experience Jesus for yourself. I encourage you to read it. You can see in this book that he's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. All of creation points to him. He has placed a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. One that desires to know this God, to be with this God. And when we understand this gospel, this good news about Jesus came so that we could have life, that we could be in the presence of God, it makes sense. Life makes sense. So that we could have life. I get to go this week, we'll close with a story, but I get to go this week uh, to what's called Together for the Gospel. It's the last one. Some of the greatest preachers of our day and age are preaching there, and I get to go and hear them preach. And one of the greatest preachers of our day, is, his name is Alistair Begg. He's, he's from uh, across the pond in, in Ireland. And um, so he has a big accent. And he was sharing an illustration about the work of God in Christ for you. And what it means. And he said this, a lot of people say, I'm going to heaven because I believed, Uh, because I had faith. 
I, 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 which is really no more than just a works-based salvation. He said, we need to start in the third person because he did the work. He said, think about the thief on the cross. You got three people on the cross. Two of them are mocking Jesus. Jesus is in the middle. One of them begins to to talk to Jesus. Doesn't tell us what was said, but he came to faith in Jesus. He said, what, what about that thief on the cross that came to faith in Jesus? What if he goes to heaven? What will happen? The angel will get to him and, and say, what are you doing here? Right? He may just say, I, I don't know. I simply just don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? How are you here? What, what, what is going on? Let me get my supervisor angel, right? The supervisor angel comes to talking to this man who was on the cross and he's, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? He, uh, uh, he kind of looks at him. How about the sufficiency of scripture? You understand the sufficiency of scripture? And he's like, man, he, a little frustrated. The supervisor angel is like, on what basis are you here? He says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. We come to Jesus not because we are good, not because we are righteous, not because we have done something to accept Christ. It's because of his finished work upon the cross that we believe. His work, he says, it is finished. And it is done. And he calls us to receive the gift of God for eternal life. It's called faith in Christ. Thomas's exclamation of faith was, my Lord and my God. There's some of you this morning that the Holy Spirit's been working on. And you need to say, my Lord and my God. You've been presented with enough that God has given you enough through his spirit to believe. And thus, your response is to believe.